Thank you, Amy. That phrase, come thou expected Jesus, or thou long expected Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but today starts Advent. Some of you may know that, the Advent season. Some of you that maybe don't have some sort of church background, you're like, what? What, what does Advent mean? It basically means like this anticipated coming and arrival of someone, someone special or something special. And I used to think uh, at this time of year, as Christmas starts to roll in, my daughter, Kaylee, she starts listening to Christmas music like right around November 1st. And, and, and this year, I, I used to follow her around November 2nd, but I have not done that much this year. But I got to thinking this week especially, like what, what is it about Christmas that so draws me in? I don't know if it draws you in or not. Some of you it may, some of you it may not. But for me, I, I used to think, I used to label it as a single word, nostalgia. It's almost like I want to have this Christmas in the mountains with snow and all my favorite food and my family, and I want to get the toys that kids got in their 1950s. I was born in the 60s. But somehow, I, I want to go back to this Christmas that was just like it. But I discovered something this week. I discovered it was way deeper than nostalgia. It is something deep inside of us, longing, wanting, anticipating a Savior, someone to guide us, someone to show us the way. For the Jews, think about this, they were hoping and expecting this long awaited Messiah. They were waiting for this Messiah for thousands of years. Literally, one of the first references to Jesus or to the Messiah is in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3. I encourage you to go look it up and see if you see where he's alluded to. And, and Jews pass this down from generation to generation that he's coming. This Messiah is coming. He's coming, but Messiah is not a, a, a title, or it is more of a title, rather, not a person. Messiah was like the anointed one, the appointed one by God that was going to bring peace, that was going to bring, reunite, if you will, Israel or the, the Jewish nation. And the word Christ is just the Greek word for Messiah. So when you hear Messiah and you hear Christ, they're one and the same. As I said, they were anointed. Oftentimes the kings in the Older Testament, if you go back and read, the kings were appointed and then anointed. Appointed by God and then anointed often by man, by humans. Sometimes with pouring oil over their head. Same with some priests and same with some of the prophets. But here's the thing. Whereas we might think about Christmas and we might even think a little bit about Jesus at Christmas amidst all the insanity of Black Friday and Digital Monday and Small Something Saturday and Giving Tuesday and Jesus gets lost in there. They, the Jews did not think of the Messiah as being the son of God or anything divine, really. They were looking for 
a king that was going to remove Rome from power. He was going to be strong. He was going to be a strong earthly king, and he was going to get them out of Roman occupation. So from the time of Adam to Abraham to Moses to King David to all the prophets to to Isaiah, which we just saw a little bit from, the expectations were just kept alive and kept alive and kept alive and passed on from generation to generation. He's coming. He's coming. Expect it. And they longed for this. And then something happens. The prophets go silent. For 400 years, no prophet of God says anything. So can you imagine if you don't celebrate Christmas for the next 10 years, and then you get to celebrate Christmas? We might just get to a slight inkling of what they were feeling, those generations that were wanting the Messiah, craving the Messiah, expecting the Messiah, and then nothing for 400 years. Enter Jesus, a baby born in a really poor area, born in the town of Bethlehem, born to really poor people. He had no royalty. He had no earthly possessions. He comes on the scene, and and he grows up. He's baptized by John, his cousin, He enters into what we would call his ministry. He just begins to start to tell people, I am ushering in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent and believe in me. And they're like, wait a minute. You're not not an earthly king. He wasn't what they expected. And it was real simple for the Jews. If the, if the Messiah, the promised Messiah, or the person claiming to be the Messiah, overthrows the Romans, then he's likely the Messiah. And if he doesn't, cast him aside and let's try again. And he comes on this scene being something totally different than they expected. So here's my question, really more of a statement within a question. Imagine everything you ever wanted, but in a different package than you anticipated. Everything you ever wanted, but it came in a different package than you anticipated. I'm going to read a little bit from John 4, 4 through 30, and this is a a story about Jesus. Very early on in his ministry, if you will, he's, he's called a few of his disciples. They are going from town to town. They're living in the wilderness. They're living off the land. They're certainly walking to and from these towns. And, and they come upon Jacob's well, which is referred to back in the Old Testament. You can go look it up if you desire. And it's near the town of Sychar. And it's around noon, and that's where I'm going to read to you about what Jesus did. Jesus knew that the Pharisees, that was the religious leaders of the day, had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't really baptize him, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. That's where he was going, from Judea in the south up to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And just a side note, most of the time the Jews would not travel through Samaria if they were going to Galilee. They would go around it because Samaria was hated by the Jewish nation. 
and vice versa. Samaritans were people that had, were half Jew and half pagan, if you will. And so Jews did not like them at all. But Jesus chose to go through Samaria. Eventually came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside, excuse me, beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So let's press pause on that for a minute. Like, like the Samaritan woman, we don't even really know what we need. A lot of times our wants get in the way of our, our, our real needs, and then even what we think of as our real needs, maybe like food and, and shelter and water. And while they may keep our physical body alive, they really don't get to the truest need that's deep in our soul. But, but somehow deep down, especially this time of year, I believe, we start to long for something. We start to long for a connection that only the baby Jesus, who became the man Jesus, can provide to our soul. This thing that he called living water. This thing that the Samaritan woman said, please give me some of that water. See, I think our souls are parched and we desperately need spiritual refreshment. Oftentimes our longings are really just incomplete or they're short-sighted. Maybe we think it's nostalgia at Christmas. Maybe we don't like Christmas. Maybe it brings up some bad memories of things in our past. I don't know. But the hole in our heart The ache in our soul, that's our true thirst, and it can only be satisfied by the one who offers living water. But sometimes what we get, it's not at all what we expected or wanted. Remember, oftentimes what we wanted, it comes in a different package than we were expecting. Let's take a look at the rest of this interaction with this Samaritan woman and what happens with her and Jesus as he continues this conversation. So after she says, please give me some of that living water, he says, hey, go and get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, he said to her. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim? You don't want me pronouncing things. Where our ancestors worshipped. 
Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar sitting there beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, quote, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? See, we don't often think about this, the satisfaction that we desire. Maybe it's the joy, it's the peace. Maybe it's, maybe you want comfort in your life. Maybe you want the fear removed of not having enough now or later in your life. Maybe you want the fear removed of being treated poorly by your family or your friends or someplace at work. We, we, we all long for these type of earthly satisfactions to, to somehow help us. And, and we're so busy with most of that that we miss this deep longing that's so far inside of us. And it's at the soul level, but I think at this year, time of year especially, it cries out. Because of Advent, because of the expectation of the one to come, because he has come. And just like this Samaritan woman, she reveals the truth about us. We are blind to our own need. And he had to call it out of her. And here's what's interesting about this interaction with her is he didn't focus on her sin. He just stated it. But then he said, I'm the Messiah. I'm still available to you personally. He didn't hold her sin against her. That's why he came. Is to remove the sin so that she could have life, so she could truly sing like we just did. Free. We are free. Jesus claimed to be that Messiah. He claimed to be Christ. You know, so often I think the the term Jesus Christ is used so often that we think that Christ is his last name. And it's not. It's, It's more of a title. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah might be the way I would word it. But could it be true? Could Jesus really be this long-awaited Messiah spoken of throughout all of the Older Testament? Hundreds, if not thousands of prophecies pointing to, to this one person. Could he by chance, by chance, could he be the Messiah? Someone way smarter than me went and said, look, for Jesus to by chance be the Messiah, if he just met eight Eight of the prophecies, eight of the promises from the Older Testament when there are hundreds. But if he just met eight by chance, it would be like one and 100 million billion. What was the recent lottery? One and 100 million billion. I challenge someone 
to go out there and use Google if you need to and tell me how many zeros that is because it's a boatload. From the virgin birth to being baptized by his cousin who was to precede him, a voice of one calling in the desert, to being sent to Egypt to save his life but then called out of Egypt, which is another one. All of these messianic promises, these prophecies, Jesus says, they're talking about me. But does that really matter to you and I? I mean, if you, I, I can give you a list of all the, you can go out and Google it, messianic prophecies. I found one by a Jewish organization that showed 40 messianic prophecies. The Older Testament reference and the New Testament. I read it. I was like, that's pretty cool. And maybe it does point that he is who he says he is. He is the son of God. But I think it needs to get more personal. Is he your Messiah? Is he your Christ? Imagine everything you ever wanted. Everything. Take a minute, close your eyes, imagine everything you ever wanted. Who else has like a really cool European car on their list? Who has the 18 or 30 point buck hanging on their wall? Who else has a loving family, no pain, no cancer? What's your list? But imagine if you got everything you ever wanted but was in a different package than you just thought of. See, the Christmas season, the Advent season, it's really more about what the soul is longing for than what the body or the mind craves. What will you anticipate this time of year? See, I think for many of us, Christmas has lost its wonder. No wonder. We try to fill it with all of the insanity that starts on Black Friday and we move through Christmas. We have, I think, about 29 days-ish till Christmas Day. Could it be different this year? Can true joy and peace reside in a present? Can it, can it reside in this present? Can, can their true happiness be in here? No. Whether it's an object, whether it's our health, whether it's a relationship, true joy can't be found in receiving the gift, in receiving the present. It's more about receiving his presence. Think about that for just a minute. This Advent season is way more about presence than presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, not presence. What do you expect from Christmas? What do you long for? Are most of us looking in the wrong direction? Are most of us looking in the wrong place? I wonder. I'm going to read a passage from John 1. 10 through 12, he says, he came into the very world he created, speaking about Jesus, but the world didn't recognize him. 
It was a different package than they were expecting. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. The Jewish nation, Israel, to this day, if you're a true Jew, you do not believe the Messiah has come. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Only his presence can provide all we need. The truth is, religion has done a lot about trying to put God or put Jesus in that same kind of box. We think, well, we got to do this, or we got to go to church, or we got to do this. It's like, it's about a relationship. We got to let Christmas, we got to let Jesus out of the box and get him into our hearts. So for these next few weeks, as we explore different names of Jesus, I encourage you, go read one of the Gospels. If you have younger kids at home, read Luke, because it's got the Christmas story near the beginning. But read one. Take the time. Get to know him. Let him help you get to know him. Let him speak for himself, not what you think. We get so familiar this time of year, like, yeah, Jesus was born two, a couple thousand years ago. Jesus, Jesus, he celebrated his birth. It's like, well, wow, that, the story becomes so familiar that we lose the power in it that can be in our lives. Could this Advent season be different? Could we focus more on the presence of the giver versus the giver of presence? What if the Christmas story is not just something that happened a couple thousand years ago, but that is still happening today? The Messiah, Christ, Jesus, he's what we need. His presence in our lives can refresh us and restore us and sustain us. But will we invite him in? He stands at the door and knocks, the Bible says. Roy and I were talking before the service because I completely rewrote this message this morning, which is a dangerous proposition. But he was sharing with me this passage, so I want to give him credit because it really helped me understand it. He says, we have to give Jesus hospitality into our lives. That's not just saying some prayer like, oh, I believe he's the son of God and I'm a sinner and he died for me. It's about truly living as if he is who he says he is and what he says should matter most in our lives. And by giving him hospitality in and through our entire lives, then his presence can transform us. And then we would go into this season, sure, we're going to buy some gifts, and we're going to give some gifts, and we're going to open some gifts, and we're going to eat a lot of food we shouldn't, and doggone it, we should. But it would have a deeper meaning to our soul to know that the Son of God, the long-anticipated, the long-expected Messiah, has come, and he wants to have input and hospitality into your life. You know, I always, uh, this may sound odd, but I always finish with the funerals that I do with this passage. But I, I know that may sound odd, <laughs> but imagine if everything you ever wanted was in a different package than you anticipated. Imagine. Mark 8 says this, Mark 8, 27 through 29. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee. I'm just going to tell the story. 
They left Galilee, and Jesus says to them, who do the people, who do the people say I am? And some of his disciples responded, well, some say John the Baptist, like he'd been reincarnated because John the Baptist was dead. Some say another prophet or Elijah. Others say one of the other prophets, sorry, yeah. But then, but then he got really real. And he looked at them and he said, yes, yes, but who do you, who do you, who do you say I am? Peter responded, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus goes on to tell Peter that you did not get that on your own. That was a gift from God for you to understand that. And so my question to each of us this morning, when Jesus asks you that question, who do you say I am? What comes to your mind? What name do you think of? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I, uh, I confess that uh, so often I've kind of given this idea that nostalgia, what was driving something inside of me this time of year. Sure, I've read your, your story of Christmas, and sure, I've read some Gospels and read good portions of the Bible, but the reality of it is I still had this thing in me that Christmas could deliver on some other level than your presence in my life. So I pray for every person here in this room and those watching online, God, that when you ask them that question, who do you say I am? That they could look deep inside their soul at the need that they don't even recognize themselves, that you would call that need alive, that they are in deep need of a Lord and a Savior, a teacher, a guide, a friend, a brother. And you provided one in Jesus. And I pray that all of us can just have this, this idea that your presence in our lives is worth way more than any presence we can open or we can give. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of us and give us that name that you want us to know you by. That does something deep inside of us. And so in that name of Jesus, I do pray, amen.